we've been working our way through the book of Hosea, and um, God has been revealing himself uh, to us, and even to me personally as I've been studying this and looking through all the different ways uh, how God has been at work. And, uh, you know, we've, we've looked at so many things about Hosea, about uh, the prophet and how he came to the people and how he was trying to turn their hearts back to God. And that is the whole message of the book of Hosea is return back to God. Uh, this was one of the uh, last prophets right before uh, Israel became, uh, came in under destruction under the Assyrian Empire. And God is just lovingly warning them, continue to warn them about, please return, please return, please return, please return. And of course, we know that they did not uh, return back uh, to the Lord there. Um, So we're going to look at a few things here uh, about uh, the book of Hosea. And just what God is trying to do uh, in their life. Now... In your life, have you ever um, encountered something in, in a way where you may have not communicated something good enough, or maybe you did not, uh, maybe you forgot to do something? Has that ever happened in your life? Right? I, I mean, just a prime example of this happened to me just this week. Um, I had some stuff still at the Lech Lightners, and I was like, hey, we'd love to come get that stuff on Saturday. How about, uh, I think it was like 9.30 in the morning or something like that. Yeah, okay, that's great. Well, I'm laying in bed, and I get a text, and it's from Jesse. He's like, hey, don't forget, we're having uh, choir practice 9.30 Saturday. Whoops, I forgot. So what did I do? I had to communicate back with Don and Teresa and say, I forgot about choir practice because I had already made a, a, a promise that I was going to be at choir practice to do that. Well, that happens in our lives. Sometimes we forget about doing something. It happens in, in all of our relationships in life. We forget to do things. We forget to communicate and to communicate well. Our life, your life, our lives are filled with many decisions. They're filled with big decisions or filled with small decisions. And every decision that we make in life has a result to that. It has an impact of what we do in our life. This is how God has made us. This is how God has made you. In our life, there are always two important questions that we must ask. Number one, who is God? And number two... Who are we? That, is, that pretty much sums up all of life. Who is God and who am I? That's what all life revolves around. That's the reason why there's so many different avenues of people taking in life. Because they're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to figure out who God is. And they're on a search. And we can find that search here in the book of Hosea as they go through uh, several things. I got a little illustration here for you. Does everybody know what this is? What is this used for? Destruction. Okay. Now, how crazy would it be if you came over here one day and I had this out and I had some little penny nails and I was hanging pictures with this? What would you say? Say, that guy's crazy. You'd probably, like, you'd probably be like, hey, my do you need a hammer? No, I got a hammer right here. No, this is a sledgehammer. This, is, this has a certain purpose for it. 
Or can you imagine if um, I would decided I wanted to do some auto body work with this? Yeah, hey, honey, don't worry. I'll take care of those small little dents. I'll, I'll pound them out, right? You'd be like, you're crazy. You, you don't do that. Or how about this? How many of you, and I know I've done this, how many of you have ever decided you were going to change the batteries in a toy or something and you did not go and get the screwdriver but you open up the drawer and you pull out a knife right you stick it down there oh i got a pointy one i'll stick it down in there and turn those screws and try to get them out right we look at that we say well that's not what it's purpose for that's not what it was intended to be used for and that's what we're trying to do with life we got to answer those two questions. Who is God and who are we? And you know, throughout all of God's word, God answers those two questions. He reveals to, him, to us who he is, and he also reveals to us who we are. And God says, I'm going to give you the answers of life. I'm going to give you some things that will help you and enable you to figure out life, how to navigate life. And normally, in our own culture, what we do is we say, no, that's okay. I will figure it out myself. I will go to the drawer. I'll pull out that knife and try to change the batteries uh, with a knife with the screwdriver there instead of the screwdriver. Or I'll use a sledgehammer to try to pound in nails in the wall instead of using a hammer of what it's intended to do. Now this morning, as we look at Hosea 8, normally we start with verse number 1. But actually we're going to work our way backwards this time. Because I believe verse number 14 really gives us, or sums up for us, it sheds light on the entire chapter of Hosea uh, chapter number 8. So let's look here at verse number 14. And let's see what God says about all of this. Look what he says in Hosea 8.14. He says, For Israel has forgotten his maker. Now remember, Hosea here is a prophet with a very distinct message. And his message was return back to God. Return back to the Lord. And as we've been looking through each and every chapter, God is faithfully pursuing after his children, and yet they continue to stiff arm God. They continue to say, no, 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 we got it all figured out, God. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to grab the, the sledgehammer. When God, you're telling me I should be using the hammer. But no, I got the sledgehammer. I know what I'm doing. And God says, no, you don't. And he pretty much says this by saying, for Israel has forgotten his maker. You know, in that one short phrase, it tells us something important about who God is and who we are. God is our maker. God is your maker. God is my maker. This means that God, the person, is the person behind everything. He is the maker of everything that exists, and he made the heavens and the earth. In John chapter number 1, we're told all things were made through him, Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. Everything other than God has been made by God. And so God says and simply declares, and he says, I am your maker. And this is one of the questions, one of the foundational questions that people are asking. Who is God? God says, I am your maker. There is nothing that exists on its own. Nothing exists apart from God's doing. 
So God made everything, and everything has a purpose, and everything has a reason for its existence. Just like this sledgehammer here. There's a reason for its existence. There's a reason why somebody decided and said, hey, you know what? We need a larger hammer because we have a larger job to do. I mean, how silly would it be for you to see some guy setting up tent stakes with a small little ball-peen hammer? You'd be like, what's wrong with you? Get a sledgehammer. Just as much as silly as it would be for me to be hammering a nail in the wall with a sledgehammer. There's a reason behind everything, the reason why everything exists. So God made everything and everything has a purpose and has a reason for his existence. But God is not just the maker. He is your maker. He's my maker. He's not just some distant or abstract, unproven maker. He is your maker. God was personally involved in creating you. Think about that. Bible tells us that we as humans, we are the, we are the, most, the most prized possession of his creation. That's special. We are not independent from God. We are dependent upon God for every minute of our lives. I mean, think about all the breaths that you take and the fact that your heart is beating and that you experience life and you have relationships. You are not dependent from God. We depend upon him every single day of our lives. He gives us the breath to praise him. He gives us the food to eat. He gives us everything. And so we are so dependent upon him. I'm amazed at, like, my daughter, Evelyn, of how dependent she is upon us. Now, sometimes she likes to think that she's independent. Like, I'll just go ahead and climb these stairs by myself and do this whatever I want to do. But you know what? If we don't give her food, she's not going to eat. Now, she may go over to the dog bowl and try to eat dog food, but... <laughs> but she's so dependent upon us. And so we're not independent from God. And this is a very important truth for us. Why? Because we will not understand, we will not understand how to live rightly. And we will not live rightly if we do not understand that God is our maker. And since God is our maker, we have an absolute responsibility then to live as he tells us to live. Because we're not dependent from him. We depend upon him. And what he says in his word is the absolute necessity for our lives to trust him and to depend upon him. Because we can't live independently from that. The question then arises, well then who is God to tell me what to do? Can't tell you how many times working with with youth uh, when we were uh, working there in uh, Ohio for nine years as a youth pastor. How many times I've I've heard young people say, "Well, who is God to tell me to what I can or cannot do? Who are you to tell me that I cannot do that? Who are you to tell me that God says that I can't do that?" Well, it's because we don't have a right understanding of the purpose behind certain things. God says, I've created you. I'm your maker, and I've created you for a certain purpose. And if we try to 
leave that purpose, we're not going to live right. We're not going to live rightly. We're not going to live in the purpose which God has designed and created for us to live in. Well, here, Israel had forgotten this. And look where this led to. Look what the verse continues to say here in Hosea 8.14. He says, For Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces, and Judah has multiplied fortified cities. So I will send a fire upon his cities, and it should devour her strongholds. The fundamental problem here, and the fundamental sin of Israel, is that they had forgotten their maker. Rather than remembering him, because remember all those other chapters we looked at? God said, you had forgotten me. You, you, there's, there, there's, no, there's no knowledge of me. He said that the priest and the, the, the prophets were to blame from this. He said, you have forgotten me. You have completely left me out of your thoughts, God says. When we forget our maker, everything in life gets messed up. Everything. We tend to to go off course all because we forget our maker. We cannot understand any part of our life rightly if we forget that God is behind it all. Think of all the tragedies in your life that has happened. Horrible, horrible, catastrophic tragedies that has come into your life. Now you can look at those and you can say, boy, I've been dealt a bad hand. Or you can look at that and say, no, God has designed this for a purpose for my life. By looking at that and say, God, you are my maker... Thank you for bringing these in my life because I want to be used for your purpose. And that's what ends up happening. We leave God out of the picture. We forget that he is our maker. And we just then focus in on all of our, all of our problems in life. And it leads us into to some terrible, hard waters of life. God is our maker and he is the foundation and the root of our life. So if we forget him, if I forget him, if I live my life independently from God, if I live that way, that I will not live rightly, nor can I live rightly in life. So throughout this chapter, God tells the people here that he will come to them in judgment. God is going to have the final say. Notice in the verse there, it says Israel has forgotten the maker. But look what God says. He says they're, they're building these, these fortified cities to protect themselves. But notice what God says. He says, I will have the final say in this. And he says, I will send a fire upon his cities. It shall devour her strongholds. God will have the final say in the end. So where is God's love in all of this, you might say? It's because he's lovingly warning them. When we warn our children, we warn them because we love them. Don't do that. I, I see what, I, I know where that leads. Don't do that. And you lovingly warn them because you don't want them to get hurt. And God says, I love you. I don't want you to, 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 to be hurt. And so he warns them lovingly. And he did this for centuries. Lovingly warned them. But what did they do? They continued to forget God, leave him out of the picture. So I have for you this this morning four things that led to them forgetting their maker. So let's look at them. So keep that thought in mind. Israel has forgotten their maker. 
And what ended up happening because of all that? Well, first of all, their rebellion. Look at here at Hosea chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. He says, set the trumpet to your lips. One like a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant. He says, and rebelled against my law. To me, they cry, my God, we Israel, we know you. Israel has spurned the good. The enemy shall pursue him. In these first three verses here of Hosea chapter 8, God announces that his judgment is coming. But he tells us why his judgment is coming. Look at, look at what he says here. God starts off by saying, set your lips to the trumpet. It's a warning. God says, judgment's coming, Israel. And here is why. Why is that? Because, first, number one, they have transgressed my covenant. Remember that covenant that God made with Abraham? He said, if you do these things, then I will do these things. It was a conditional covenant. Israel transgressed that. They didn't keep up their end of the bargain. Notice also in verse number one, it says, they rebelled against my law. God says, I have set certain laws in place and you have not kept them, Israel. In verse number three, Israel has spurned, they rejected the good. What good did they reject? Well, the good God had done to them, God himself. You know, see, sin is not just simply doing bad things. We've got to get that out of our mind, okay? Sin is going against who God is. It's going against God's word. It's not just, well, I told a little white lie or, you know, I decided to punch somebody in the face. That's bad. No. It's you are going against your maker. You are going against what things have been intended to be used for. And so Israel here, God says, you've rebelled against me. Set your trumpet to the lips there. He says, judgment is coming because of all of this. You see, every sin is making a statement about God. Every decision that I make or that you make in life, we do it in relation to God. In every decision and in every action, we are either obeying and honoring him or turning against him. Notice Israel's response with these right words that they make here. Because here they are, God says, set the trumpet to your lips, judgment's coming, it's because you transgressed my covenant, you've went against my law, and he tells them here, this is the reason why all this is happening. And look, look at their response in all of this. They say, to me they cry, God? Hey, hey, God, now listen, listen, God, we know you. I mean, they're saying the right things in all of this. Even though they've transgressed his covenant, even though they've gone against his word, they're saying, God, but, but we know you. And God says, what? No. You've forgotten who I am. You have forgotten that I am your maker. God says, you don't know me. You say you know me, but you really don't know me. Because if you knew me, then you would keep the covenant. You would keep my laws. You wouldn't transgress them. And they're saying, but we do. They're offering all this lip service to God. And they're crying out to the God that they know him. You see, it was not enough for them to be born into the right family. Their actions proved otherwise that they did not know God. That they had turned against God. 
And God would also have the final say in that. Look what he says here. Again, he says, Israel has spurned. They have rejected the good. But God says, I'm going to have the final say. He says, the enemy shall pursue him. He says, even though you forgot me, I'm going to have the last and final say in all of this. So that's the rebellion. Look at the second thing here. Secondly, man-made kings and gods. Look at Hosea 8, verses 4 through 6. They made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. I have spurned your calf, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For it is from Israel. A craftsman made it. It is not God. The calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. Now look at these verses. Do you see the word made there? They made kings in verse number 4. They made idols in verse number 4. And it also in verse number 6, speaking about the idols, a craftsman made it. God is emphasizing here things that Israel had made. Now, remember how we started this message? It started by God describing who he was. Who was, who was he to Israel? Their maker. And what is Israel doing now? They're saying, God, you're not my maker. These are going to be our gods. We're going to make kings and we're going to make idols. They're saying to God, well, God, you've created us for a purpose, but we got, we got other plans here. We got other things that we want to do in life, and it does not include you. And so they may have man-made kings. Now, remember, God had given them a king. Who was their king? Who was supposed to be their king? Remember the, the king that, that God had set up and said that his throne would never depart. It would be an eternal throne. This is David, right? The lineage of David. And God says, I want David's household to rule. But what ended up happening? Well, some guys got greedy. There was some tension there. And all of a sudden, right? The, the, the nation split in two. You have the ten tribes, the northern kingdom. You have the southern tribes, uh, the other two. And here, this is speaking to the ten tribes, and they had all these man-made kings. Remember what we looked at a couple weeks ago about all the kings, how they were assassinating each other? You know, one king would rise to power, and boom, oh, he's dead. Another guy rises to power, boom, he's dead. All right, and another guy rises. I mean, that's what was going on. God says, you have set up man-made kings. And he says, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. Israel had rebelled, and they chose to not have God as their king. They chose to have man-made kings. Then he says here that they made idols. Now, God had commanded the people to not make idols. Remember on the, uh, the mount there when, when Moses went up to the mount? And he was up there for 40 days. And he came down, and everyone was all worried because it was like Moses was up there a real long time. And they said, hey, Aaron... What, we don't know what happened to Moses. I'll tell you what, Aaron. We'll give you all our gold. You make us a calf and we'll worship it. Okay, sounds like a great idea. Eh, wrong. Moses comes down off that mountain. And he is angry. Because here they are. God says, I have some stuff here that I'm going to give you guys. And so that we can worship God. And here you are. I leave you for 40 days and this is what happens? You're worshiping a calf? 
God says, I don't want you to make any graven image. Now, is there anything wrong with making things? No. But there's a problem here because God says, you have made something that I did not want you to make. You have made idols. And those were all those strange gods, Baals, that they worshipped uh, during this time. And I love the humor here in this text because this is so funny. Look what he says here. He says, uh, with their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. And God says, I have rejected, I have spurned your calf, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? Now, God is asking a question. He's saying, how long are you going to act like you don't know what's going on here? How long are you going to act like, well, nobody told me. And he says this. He says, the people here are saying, well, but we made this calf here. We made these idols. He says, for it is from Israel. In other words... Well, God, I think this idol's okay because it's not like we went and hired some heathen to make this idol. I mean, one of our own, you know, one of our craftsmen, our own made it. So it should be okay. And God's like, how long are you going to be so incapable of innocence here? He says, you have, have man-made idols in your life. But notice here, God will have the final say in all this. He said, the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. So they had man-made kings and gods. Look at the third thing here. Man-made political solutions. In Hosea 8, 7 through 10, he says, For they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads, it shall yield no flower. If it were to yield, strangers would devour it. Israel is swallowed up. Already they are among the nations as a useless vessel. For they have gone up to Assyria, a wild donkey, wandering alone. Ephraim has hired lovers. Though they hire allies among the nations, I will soon gather them up. And the king and princes shall soon writhe because of the tribute. You see, the, Israel, the Israelites here knew that they were in trouble. Uh, we looked at... A, couple weeks ago about all the descriptions that God had given towards Israel. He said one of the descriptions was that they had gray hairs. He, he, he showed that they were losing their vulnerability. They were, they were becoming more vulnerable. And Israel knew that. And so what did they do? They went to Egypt and they went to Assyria for protection because they did not have the military strength that they once had. And notice what he says here. He says, The standing grain has no heads, and it shall yield no flower. He says, if it were to yield, if if Israel were to yield, he says, strangers would devour it. And he says, Israel is swallowed up, and already they are among the nations as a useless vessel. You see, they did not return to God for help. Instead, they ran to other nations. They ran, they ran over there in a political power move. It'd be kind of like if like the United States today, if we were uh, an extremely vulnerable nation where every other nation was just going to, like, we, they were just like, kind of like hovering over us like a vulture, you know, about ready to, to partake of, of all the, the deceased mess, okay? And if all of a sudden we said, man, we need some help. 
And instead of turning to God for help, we'd say, boy, look at that country over there. Look, look how strong their, their weapons are. We need them. And we'd run to them for military strength, the military power. And so here, Israel, they're making a move and they're saying, look at Assyria over there. Look at Egypt. Look at the wealth of Egypt. Man, we need that. We need the strength of Assyria to help us. And so they ran after Assyria. They ran after Egypt in a political solution to their life. But eventually, this ended up becoming their destruction because God let the nation of Assyria destroy them. It's amazing how the Lord worked all that. And in this instance, politics were a part of Israel's life. Now, as Christians, we live in this country... And politics are a part of our life. But can I tell you, they are not the answer to our life. It's so funny, every single time that, that the, uh, uh, the presidential election rolls around, you have this group of people that you know, kind of go either way. Like, they have four years and they're like, oh yeah, man, things are going to be different this year. I know things are going to work out different this year. And then the four ends up, and they go, man, that was terrible. I'm voting for the, the other guy because he says things are going to be different this year. And they, they move back and forth, back and forth, because what are they doing? They're putting all their, their trust in some political strategy for life. You see, our answers are not in a political system. Our solutions are always found in God and in his word. Political solutions will always disappoint And Israel here ran to Assyria for protection in a political power move. The solution to what is wrong in Israel's life was not a political problem. It was a theological problem. What was their problem? They forgot God. That's how simple it was. Can I tell you, America today... Now here, we would all agree, we'd say, hey, we've remembered God. But America as a whole has forgotten God. We've left him out. We say, God, we don't really need you. We have other strategies, other solutions to all of our problems. God says, it's so simple. I've laid it all out for you. Those are the two foundational questions that we're looking for in life. Who is God and who are we? God faithfully answers those questions in his word. But we are so Neanderthal-like. We're like, ugh, hammer, ugh. And that's what we do. Instead of trusting God and allowing God to work in our life, we try to find other solutions to our life. But notice here, God says he will have the last word in all of this. In the text here, he says, God will gather them up. No political alliances will be able to protect them from him. He says that the princes shall writhe because of the tribute. The king and the princes will writhe. God says, I'm going to have the last say in all of this. You're trying to make all these solutions, but I will have the last say. Notice here, lastly, fourthly, we find man-made religion. Look at Hosea 8, 11 through 13. Because Ephraim has multiplied altars for sinning, they have become to him altars for sinning. Were I to write for him my laws by the ten thousands, they would be regarded as a strange thing. As for my sacrificial offerings, they sacrifice meat and eat it. But the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They shall return to Egypt. 
You see, the problem with the Israelites was not that they were not religious. They were extremely religious. In fact, during this whole time, they continued to make sacrifices. They continued to sing his praises. They continued to do everything. The problem was that they were doing it in vain. They were doing it because they had forgotten their maker. And God says here that their religion was sinful because they were not obeying God. The more they did their religious acts, the more they sinned. They thought that they could just go through the right motions and God would be okay with it. He says here that Ephraim has multiplied altars of sinning. He says you just continue to make more and more things here. And he says you're continuing to heap more and more sin in your life. God says it was just so simple. Just return back to me and I will take care of all this. But they're like, no, God, we're going to praise you. We're going to sing your praises. We're going to sacrifice goats and calves. And we're going to do it all. But yet they had forgotten their maker. They did not obey what God had simply said to do. Can I tell you, church, that this is an area that we need to be so careful about. You say, what do you mean? I mean that all of this, okay... The things that we do in life, the things that we do here, the things that we do in our community. We can do all of it. We can sing his praises. We can read our Bibles. We can say our prayers. We can do all of it. We can give our offerings. We can do all of it. We can put Bibles in hotel rooms. We can do all of it. But if we forget God and leave him out of the picture, it's worthless. It's so important that we keep that a primary thing in our hearts. That we keep God at the forefront of it. And we don't do it because we're just going through all the motions. We do it because we love God. And we love Jesus Christ. And we want Jesus to be lifted up and exalted. That's what Israel had left out of it. They forgot God. They left him out of the picture of all of it. You see, God made us for himself. God made us for a purpose. And he wants to use us in that way. And even though the Israelites used their religion to cover up, they're ignoring God. God would get the final say. Look at verse number 13. He will remember their iniquity. And they shall return to Egypt. In other words, they will return back to bondage, God says. And this brings us back again to verse number 14. Have you forgotten God? Have I forgotten God? There's one thing I I would like for you to be aware of in your life is be aware of drift in your life. Did you know that a, a, a ship that's on course, that's charted, it's on course, and that ship is going on course, that all it takes is for that ship to drift one degree One degree, that's all. And before you know it, that ship is so far off course just because of one degree. That's all it takes in our lives is one degree to get off course. And then before you know it, we look back and we say, what happened? Where did did all this go wrong? Because of one degree. In my own life, I have to constantly check my heart and check my life and say, have I gotten off course here? And where do I get back on course with? Right here. 
God has sent Jesus Christ to us to be an anchor for our souls. And we have to continually, continually check everything through this. Because if I get off course with this one degree, 10 years, 20 years, 5 years, a week, I don't know, I can be so off base. So I encourage you to always be aware of drift in your own life. The nation of Israel did not start out this way by, you know, having uh, all these gods that they worshipped and things like that. How did that happen? One degree. That's all it took. One degree. And they were off course. They were off base. So always evaluate that. Always check your heart. Always check, check your motives. God, am I off base here? Am I doing it for you? Am I, am I keeping things right in harmony with your word? Have you forgotten your maker? Have I forgotten my maker? Let's pray.